0: You guys tricked me. (laughs) Hey, everyone. I'm Seth Colton from the virtual channel network at Breakdown Services. My uh, producing partner, Otto Wolfolk, and I are really happy this evening to be partnering with the SAG Foundation to bring you this event uh, because we believe so much in what the SAG Foundation does and what what they support in the community, and we support the same things. Uh, Just a little bit about us. You can check us out at virtualchannelnetwork.com. We constantly interview agents, managers, and casting directors so you guys can uh, learn about their office for free. This evening is going to be a special event. As you know, it is called the... Ramp up to pilot season? It's prep. It's called the Prepping for Pilot Season panel with cast, some of the top casting associates actually in Hollywood. It's going to be a fantastic event throughout the night. You guys can fill out your question cards if you're here in the audience, or if you're at home and you have some questions you want to send in, you can do it on Twitter with hashtag SAGF, or you can email to livestream at sagfoundation.org. Uh, Without further ado, let me bring up our esteemed panelists, and we'll learn a little little bit about them before we learn a little bit about pilot season. So up first, I would like to introduce you to Eric Soulier. Next is Gohar Gazazian. Troy Daniel Smith. That's good. Mike Page, come to the stage. And Ty Harmon rounds us out. As you guys fill out your questions, please raise your hand. Uh, Dennis will come around, and, or you'll, you'll pass it down to Dennis. He'll grab him. Uh, Otto Wolfolk will then go through it and pass it up to me for the Q&A time. As we begin tonight, thank you guys for coming out. I would like to acknowledge first that this room and those viewing at home is full of actors, managers, and talent agents, all of whom deserve an extreme amount of kudos for coming out or tuning in to do something proactive for their career. And I would like us... Well, you, to give them a round of applause, please. Thank you. So before we um, jump into pilot season, can you guys each come here on the line and could we learn a little bit about who you guys are and what you do?
1: I'm Eric. I'm Eric, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> Is this close enough? Okay. I'm Eric. Um, I am an associate at Orchard Dawson Kreitzer Casting, I've been there almost seven years. Uh, I started there on Nip Tuck. I've been working on The Mentalist since day one of the pilot of that show. And I've been working on American Horror Story since day one of that. Yeah,
0: that's
2: perfect. Hi, I'm Gohar. Is that good? Um, That's good. I've been working in casting for about six years. I've, I right now I'm an associate at Bialy Thomas Casting. I've been with them for three and a half, four years, um, and we do a lot of great uh, projects. Uh, right now I'm working on uh, Walking Dead, which finished up. It's, uh, yep, uh, it's a great show, <laughs> and Vegas, currently, yeah. So, thank
1: you. <laughs>
3: My name's Troy. I work with Howard Meltzer. I'm his associate. I've been with him for four years um, since I met him actually downstairs at the old SAG Foundation office. And I started interning for him. Actually, no, five years. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm older than, than I pretended to be. Um, I met him five years ago and started interning for him and then officially started working for him four years ago. But thank you, SAG, SAG Foundation, for making that introduction. Um, Currently, we're working on Lab Rats, which is a Disney XD series multi camera sitcom. And uh, we've done Hannah Montana, Life with Boys, um, just a lot of multi camera stuff. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, hi, I'm Mike Page. Uh, I am currently
4: with uh, David Rappaport Casting. I am the associate on CW uh, new show Arrow. Um, also, uh, let's see. In the past, have worked with uh, David Weight, Peasley, uh, worked with April Webster, uh, Risa Brayman Garcia, uh, just to name a few. Uh, I've done a good amount of pilots. I've uh, been an associates for about two years in casting for coming up on five years. Uh, I've done about nine pilots. I did Community, uh, Raising Hope. Uh, those are the two big ones. Um, and then several other pilots that did not go,
5: but uh, we can talk about those later. <laughs> uh, I'm Ty Harmon. I'm a casting director with Guthrie Goddard Smith Casting. Uh, we currently are working on Malibu Country on ABC. Uh, Crash and Bernstein on Disney XD, uh, Warehouse 13 and Alphas, which are on Sci-Fi, the Game, which is on BET, the X's, which is on TV Land, and Shake It Up, which is on the Disney Channel. Thank you. Thanks. So, Gohar,
0: well, I'd like to start off with you. Could you please, i uh, nervous, uh, tell I'm us kidding. all, <laughs> maybe tell us all definitively what the various positions are within a casting office and generally what the duties are for each position?
2: Interesting question. Um, well, casting offices are relatively simple. There are really three positions. Uh, there is a casting assistant, uh, casting associate, associate casting director, which is where many of us are, and a casting director. Um, a casting assistant is sort of the entry-level position, and you are really, or they are really handling all of the paperwork of the office. Um, jump in, guys, if I'm missing anything. Um, Doing great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, handling phone calls, handling the organization of the office. Um, you know, they also, um, especially experienced assistants, oftentimes will creatively contribute. I know that I did not I was an assistant. And it's just, you know, a process of learning and preparing yourself for the next level, which is the associate. Um, and... The associate is much more involved in all aspects of the show, especially creatively, um, in you know coming up with ideas, participating in concept calls with producers, setting up sessions, running sessions, really casting roles, and sort of really being the number two to the casting director. Um, and then there's the casting director who's the big boss, and uh, you know they're you know they're essentially you know the immediate liaison with producers, um though many times an associate can also will participate in that as well. Um good? Yes yeah. great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that was really clear and concise. Mike, um can you explain a little bit about how pilot casting differs from year-round television casting? Uh yes, it sucks. <laughs> and why does it suck, Mike?
4: <laughs> uh the, the big difference with uh, pilot casting versus episodic casting, for example, with episodic, uh, usually more or less, uh, the rule is generally, with a half hour, you'll have five days. With an uh, hour long, you'll have eight days. Of course, each show, each network can be a little bit different on that, and that's, of course, assuming you get script on day one of pre-production, uh, which doesn't always happen. Um, never. <laughs> <laughs> um, But with pilot season, we do have usually approximately 10 weeks or so to cast the entire pilot. Um, With that, especially for series regular roles, we're going to be much more likely to turn over every rock, shake every tree. We'll be going after the big names. We'll be looking for new discoveries. Um, Every pilot is... Kind of a reinvention of the wheel, at least in my experience, you know, when it comes down to how the different networks operate, how the different writers, directors, producers, et cetera, like to operate. Um, Some people like to have the big major mega sessions, you know, where we'll see 100, 200 actors every single day. Um, Others, like a more narrow-focused, will have a particular actor um, in mind when the role was written that we'll go after, or, you know, they'll do the name game, the offer only list. Um, But again, each one is different. I mean, I've had roles where we went after just one person and they accepted and that's who got the role i've had other pilots that i've worked on that we've seen upwards of 2500 actors for so it can be entirely different whereas with episodic with guest cast uh and co-stars we'll generally see you know eight to ten maybe twenty or so people depending on the necessity and the requirements for that
0: role And Eric, are you able to sort of define or outline the dates pilot season or roughly the pilot season begins and ends?
1: Yeah. um, Typically it's January through March, but more specifically, uh, I mean, the industry kind of came back from the holidays this week, and this is kind of when all the pilots are getting picked up by networks um, and they're figuring out and deciding which pilots they're going to make. So over the next probably week or so, um, all the pilots will kind of start up and from the, and hire casting directors and kind of get their feet on the ground. And then from there, it's, uh, like Mike said, the name game. Usually you start out with that, with lists, and going after names for the roles. And then after that, it kind of trickles down to readings and testing actors. And pretty much, ev- I mean, essentially everything's kind of wrapped up by... The middle or end of March, until recasts happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get there. Great. I mean, that's that's typical. Uh, but some pilots are on different schedule. I mean, they're all kind of different. But that's essentially how it goes. Ty Eric just mentioned something about
0: reading and testing. Can you explain to us what what that means? The difference between reading and testing.
5: Well, it's really the same thing. It's just you've just been at it longer on a pilot. You know, you'll come in initially for a pre-read, you know, if you're a, a typical session actor. If we feel like you're a viable candidate, we'll take you on to producers. Once the producers, they may see you once, they may see you more than once before we decide we want to test you, at which point then your agent will make your deal, which will establish your pilot and episodic price, your billing, your dressing room, your merchandise participation, all that, everything, you know, that that goes into a a seven, seven and a half year series deal. Um, Then we will take you to studio, because remember that studios make television shows, networks do not. We will test you at the studio level. If you pass through that level, then you will go to the network level and test at the network level. Um, and if you get that, uh, then you end up at the table read where you can still be replaced after the table read. Um, if you make it through the table and they shoot the pilot, the chances of it getting picked up are slim to none um, if you 're lucky enough that your pilot gets picked up, hopefully it lasts more than you know episode two or three um, so that's that 's kind of the process. You can be replaced literally at any at any point along the way yep. <laughs>
0: Generally, if they've gone through this... If they've gone through this entire rigmarole... Would anyone like
5: to leave now?
0: (laughs) No, you're just talking about the reality. That's okay. If they've gone through this entire rigmarole of the pre-read to reading to testing, why then do you think they feel the need to recast so often after they've worked so hard to find the right cast? Um,
1: Just put uh, that up to your head. um, Well, a lot of factors... Uh, you could go through the whole process and cast someone, and then comes the table read, and it doesn't mesh for some reason, and they decide that you're not really the way they wanted to go, and they can recast you at that point. Um, a lot, I guess, not the most common, but uh, it's it's been known to happen um, after the pilot is shot, and all the pi- and all the networks announce. Closer. Sorry. Uh, And all of the networks announce which pilots are picking up or they're not picking up. Then, I mean, from the pilots that aren't picked up, that's a whole slew of actors who are now available. So uh, maybe there is somebody that one pilot wanted, an actor that one pilot wanted that was cast on another pilot, and now that pilot wasn't picked up. So they might replace, um, I don't want to say fire, replace uh, one of the actors on their pilot with another actor. That they wanted, who had become unavailable, but now is available. So, those are a few reasons.
3: And also, along the, along those lines, with things not meshing, a lot of times after a table read or even you know getting into rehearsals for a show, the, uh, the writers might think or they get a network note like, you know, there's we really we really see the brother as a sister now, or there needs to be another brother, so or another sister, or maybe maybe we don't like you know the dad now so that creatively writers what can you know these writers worked on for a whole year year and a half two years sometimes once they get into the, you know, the working parts they are like no oh, maybe we need to go the other way so you know you could be replaced from a pilot through through no fault of your own just the the writers change their mind with what they wanted in my experience that actually uh when i've had actors replaced on
4: pilots that i've worked on um i've yet to come across it being the actor's fault Per se, because they did something wrong or they weren't right. Usually, what it has been in my experience is exactly what Troy was saying that creatively, as they get closer to it getting picked up to a series, where are they going to really go? You know, if you uh, have spent much time watching pilots, you know, and examine what the pilot of Will and Grace looked like versus what the series really turned in, Karen didn't even have her voice. (laughs) You know, you can look at a lot of uh, different examples of characters that were in the pilots that. You never see again, you know you see a little note from them uh, that 's generally just where's it going to come down to and I think also the big part is remembering that television is a product, each television show, though yes is a form of entertainment it 's about money you know it 's about what is going to sell best and you know actors are you know for a metaphor an ingredient you know, and maybe the brand is not selling big. Maybe we need more Cocoa Puffs in it, you know? And that's just what's testing better. That's what the public is currently responding to better. That's what the way the market is shifting. A lot of times,
0: those decisions will be made that way.
1: Cool.
0: Do you guys think that there's still room for us working class actors to break in at pilot season?
5: Always, always. We're in the needle in a haystack business you know, if you come in and no one's ever heard of you and you score and you end up on a show that actually gets picked up and turns into a breakout hit, we look like geniuses, you know? <laughs> and maybe we are and maybe we're not, but the reality is, especially during pilot season, my experiences, we're all, you know, It would be fantastic to not have to go to that feature actor who's finally slipping off the feature map and they're finally going to do television and to go to somebody that you've never heard of and watch them... You know, anchor an ensemble. I think that's maybe the most exciting thing that can happen during pilot season.
3: And I, I would say now more than more than ever that that could be the case because you know before you'll always hear like, well, how do I get how do I get seen by these people? They don't know my work. You know, maybe they haven't seen my play or they haven't seen you know any of the the, the short films I'm in. There's there's no excuse for not having yourself out there and available with with the internet being what it is and and technology being the way that it is and how it's advanced and how easy it is to create content for yourself that that either catches on or you'll, you'll hear that, you know, huge Twitter following or I have so many views on YouTube. YouTube excuse me. Um, but it, putting yourself out there, like creating your own content is, is so easy to do these days that, you know, it's easy to, you know, tweet out a link or send a link and be like, oh, this person's really funny. Why not give them a shot on the show?
2: Um, just to add to all that, I think that any time you go into a casting office, even if it's for a small part, what you're doing is introducing yourself to that office. I mean, when we work on a pilot, we're looking at all the people that we met and loved during episodic casting. I mean, we've put people in pilots who we had read for co-star roles, but loved and then kept bringing in and continued to see that they, they're really ready for that level. So it's, you know, I think absolutely in and agreeing, in agreeing with all that, but every time you go in, that's what you're doing for a casting office. You're making a relationship with them. They're, they're seeing your work, and our job is to remember good actors. You know, and and bring them in when we get to that pilot, when that role fits. So, yeah.
0: That makes sense. So along those lines, there are a number of actors that I've spoken to who feel that their career is escalating, they no longer want to read for co-stars, and they're ready for guest stars. At a point in a career like that, do you think they should stop or pass on a co-star audition during pilot season, or... How does that work? Because I've heard for pilots, a co-star can easily be turned into a recurring if the show gets picked up. What
3: advice would you have for an actor who wants to move on but is still getting co-star auditions? Me, um, me personally, I like work. And I I like to be paid for work. Um, So it, and and also, like Seth was alluding to, you know, a co-star can become a guest star in a pilot. A guest star can become a, a series regular with all of these things out of your control. You know, not knowing what the producers are wanting to do, not knowing, you know, which network execs to be like. I love that. I love that role of the of the bus driver. We need to we need to bring him back more often. With all of these things that you can't control or envision ever becoming a possibility, why pass up on an opportunity for something that could be really great?
2: Yeah, I think work begets work, and I think that it's always great to be on set, to be working with a director who may love you or remember you, producers who are the same. We've absolutely hired very small parts that have become much more than that. Um, So so I, I, I wouldn't say just pass to pass. I would say look at the role and see even if it's something small, if it's something really cool and a great show, and it would be a great opportunity for you.
4: Yeah. So. Well, to add on to that, uh, also to kind of add on to what Ty said, I mean, the likelihood of a pilot going mm-hmm. is slim to none. A
3: great thing about book, booking a co-star, he's going to write another script. That director is going to go on to direct another uh, episodes of TV or a film or something. So, the more people you can meet to to increase your network of, of people that you know working, and you know, increase the likelihood of that person. Hiring you again is is, is fantastic. Like, I, I, I did some work on a show um, this past season where the, the director just, you know, rather than having casting, he said, This role, you know, I love this role. I want this guy that was in this Chevy commercial that I did or this dog food commercial that I did. And he, he would hire straight away people that, that he had worked with before. And you only get those relationships by, by working.
0: Cool. Thank you. So, Eric, we just talked about actors who are even potentially in a position to want to pass on a co-star. What about the actor who's fighting as hard as they can to even get in the door for a co-star? What advice do you have for those of us who are just trying to get your attention or just trying to get our career off the ground? Uh,
1: uh, I mean, there's, there's a few different ways. I mean it all kind of depends whether or not you have representation. Um, if you do not have representation get some just kidding. Um, <laughs> but if you don't, if you don't have representation, I mean you really got to work harder. You you got to meet the people who are casting the shows you want to focus on being on. I, I mean there's a million different ways to do that, you know, do do projects uh, you know that you can submit yourself for whether it be theater or short films or whatever, and bring it to our attention that you're in a play or that you're going to appear on this or you're going to be in this. And because uh, you know we're always looking and we're always watching stuff, so if if we get notification that you know this is you and you're going to be in something, you're going to be in this play, then I'm, when I'm watching, I'm, I mean I can't speak for other people, but I have a weird. Brain, and I'll rem- I'll probably remember seeing your postcard or whatever it is. Um, That's why
0: you just won talent, or casting associate of the year at the TMAs. Good
1: job. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, guess, I mean, obviously, if you don't have representation, you got to work harder and promote yourself and meet the people who are going to bring you that step further. If you do have representation, I mean, you still could be doing that, but also, you know, that your agent and manager are there to to get you in the room and you know kind of monitor what they're doing and check in and and if you see something you want to be considered for ask them and have them pitch you um, you know we take pitches all day they happen it's them doing their jobs uh, but I know you know there when someone when an agent or manager is you know, pitching to us every single episode of every single show, and they're always and that kind of loses its value. But you know, when people call us and they are obviously very passionate about someone, we're going to take into consideration. Uh, so that's what I have. To that say. was really good. Anybody else?
2: I would just add to that. I think that that you, I think what you're getting at is trying to expose yourself as much as you can by meeting people who are in casting and doing plays. Also, in the meanwhile, I think you have to just keep at it in terms of going to class and keeping, you know, and working that muscle because I think what happens a lot of times auditioning is very much a skill. I don't know if you guys agree with that. And I think the more you do it, the better you are at it, the more comfortable you are in the room. And when you're more comfortable, then we're really seeing your work. So, I think you just, you know, have to keep acting even if you're not going in does that, does yeah, that talk, you know
1: and talk to your actor friends who are in your class or in the play with you because they might have representation or that they can refer you to or they might know people that they can refer you to uh so you know don't be a pest about anything but just do it do it the smart way and yeah
3: i, I think a, a couple things that, that these guys hit on are are very important to to mention too um Having an agent manager representation is fantastic, and the end game for a lot of people. But so many actors will be like, "Oh, I got an agent. I'm done doing my work. They're going to take care of all of this for me." And that's not healthy either. It's it's a it's a, a partnership where you guys work with each other to forward forward careers. And, and then when Gohar hit on on class, that's the most you you gotta work the muscle as she said. That's the most the most important thing. Like I love baseball. Anybody else? <laughs> no way in hell am I going to be ready to pitch in the World Series tomorrow. You know, and as, as an actor, you need to keep up that that muscle of going to class, doing plays, doing your you know your web series, whatever, so that when the audition comes tomorrow or next week or next month, you're ready to go. It's not like oh, I have an audition. Okay, now I'm ready. And yeah, yeah that's all great advice, really. Keep it going.
0: As you guys know, and certainly as you guys know, and you guys at home know, being an actor is rough. Especially, you know, you put you put everything on the line. You put your heart on the line. You put your life on the line just for an opportunity. Uh, and You, as people who are, work in casting, you're working with actors on a daily basis. Um, do you have any, any words of encouragement for people who have done this for most of their professional life but are feeling like, I, I, I haven't caught got a break. It's not going to happen. Is it possible that it it can still happen randomly,
3: yeah yeah I'm like, I'll, I'll vouch, yeah well, po- positivity is the most important, yeah you have, you, have to, you know this this is your goal This is your dream, you know you quit your job, you move halfway across the country because this is what you want to do, and knowing that it could happen tomorrow and it has before for a, for a lot of people, it could happen next year, it could happen fifteen years from now there 's no There's no. It's not like becoming a doctor where you go to med school and then or grad school med school take your boards and residency and then 27 years later you're a doctor. There's no. There's no timeline. There's no one path to to become an actor or performer or an entertainer of any kind. You just have to. You know, hate to use the phrase like fighting the good fight or whatever, but you have to stay true to what you want to do and, and know that if that's what you want to pursue and you're going to put
1: in the work and the time that eventually it's going to happen. It's going to happen when the time's right for you. And you got to make your own stuff. You can't sit around waiting for other people to give you opportunities if you're unhappy with the way things are going. You know, do a web series. Do, do Just create something to show yourself off and promote yourself. And I mean, I can tell you countless stories of actors I know who have done that and it's really moved things along
5: for them, so. I think you also have to look at yourself and take responsibility for your own career, you know. There's not... I Enough with the nice stuff. Tell yeah, us the right? truth. No, but the, but the reality is this: if you're not working and you've been doing this for a while, you have to look at yourself as honestly as possible and try to figure out why is that? Are you in class every week? Are you stretching? Is your is your um, you know instrument quote unquote? Are you growing and and nurturing that? And are you any good? You know, the reality is this is my experience. You know, I've been working in the business since I was sixteen. Can can you hold the mic a little closer? Yeah, I've certainly experienced a lot, so I can only tell you about my experience, and that is, generally speaking, actors don't have any sense of themselves. I get calls all day from agents and managers saying, you know, Betty Smith came in and she really thought she hit it out of the park, and the reality is she stunk, you know, or vice versa. You know, Betty Smith wanted me to apologize because she felt like she really stunk up the joint, and the reality was she was fantastic, you know. So... You have to attempt to get honest with yourself and what are you presenting to the community at large, you know? The reality is, I don't need to go and see Danny in the Deep Blue Sea at the complex. I just don't, (laughs) you know? So you want to be smart about what you're you're showing the business. Should you do that production of Danny in the Deep Blue Sea? Absolutely, and go through that process and work with other actors and work on a great play and work with a director, but maybe invite your family and friends to that one, you know? You have to be careful about what you show to us because the casting process is an inverted pyramid. We start with everybody and somebody ends up with a job. So if I see your lousy play or your lousy web series or something you shot with your friends on a weekend and it's terrible, I don't need to bring you in, you know? you Yes, you absolutely need to create your own opportunities, but you need to make sure that they're going to pay off for you. Now, does anybody want to leave? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll
4: add on a little hippy-dippy part of that. Um, For me, in my experience, (laughs) now I'll try to make you feel better. (laughs) Um, For me, it's about perseverance, you know, to keep on going and doing what you need to do to keep at it, to keep the joy, to keep the love of what you're doing. For me personally, my biggest pet peeve in the room is when an actor comes in and I can tell that they don't want to be there. And that they're not ready to be there, and that they're not having fun. I actually love what I do for a living, and I hope you do as well. You know, I want you to take care of yourself as a professional, which is exactly what everybody's saying here. You know, keep studying, making your own content, etc. Keep growing. You know, uh, take care of yourself as an artist. You know, make sure that you're. Staying open to new forms of creativity and uh, expanding your horizons. You know, if you're a drama actor, take comedy classes. You know, if you're into comedy, you know, make sure you're doing some stand-up. You know, etc. Just always growing your instrument, and finally taking care of yourself as a person. You know, making sure that you have outside interests, you have friends who have nothing to do with the industry to keep you sane. Um, you know, that you have the ability to keep going forward. I mean, even some of the most successful A-list actors, you know, you look at their careers, they have ups, they have downs. You know, the people who are the most successful are the people who keep at it every day, and that's, I think, finding the joy, the love, and the fun for it.
2: And, you know, I'll say, I'll say something about this, too. I think it's about a balance of all of these things. I think that it is about... This 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 industry is about endurance. Even in what we do, even any element of this industry, you know, actors, writers, all everybody has. It takes sometimes it takes a long time for you to get to where you want to be. So you do definitely want to do all the things everyone's saying. But I think it is important for you to really, really be truthful and, and look at yourself. Every person who tries to be an actor is not going to become a successful successful working actor. There aren't enough roles. You know, if you can think about it that way, I think that. If it's not working out and if you look at yourself and you think maybe this is not, maybe you once thought this was it for you and maybe it's not, there's so many other elements of the industry that can give you that same creative fulfillment. And I I do think it's important to also think about that. I mean, I think it's a balance of those two things. You know, I think you do have to work at it, but you also have to be honest with yourself at every step of the way.
3: Yeah. Thank you, guys. That was really, really meaningful. Can I add well, um, uh, and, and, and along the lines of you know being true to yourself and y- you have to know what type of, of actor you are and, and what type of roles you 're going to be playing and, and that kind of ties in with with the representations and pitch calls and, and whatnot, but I mean if you want to be an action star if that 's what you know, your goal is to be, know that those roles are slim, but you also you know can 't be one hundred and ninety pounds and sit on the couch waiting for that call. you have to work at it. In your personal life, eating right, taking care of yourself as, as, as a person, and eating healthy, and working out, and being that type of actor. If, if, you're a, if, if what, what you want to get into is, is sitcoms, you have to be funny
1: <laughs> a lot of
3: times. And, and I, I know as, as actors or performers, we want to know, like, oh, I'm versatile, you know, I'm a chameleon. I can do so many different roles, which can be true for some people, but it's not true for everybody. So knowing what type of actor you are or work to become it is important also and keeping up with that as it changes you know unfortunately time
4: marches on you know and knowing are you still able to play high school <laughs> and yes i work on a cw show so i get that but uh, not everybody can still play high school you know and are you at the point where you know it is time to start exploring the parental roles you know, or the grand parental roles. You know, are you, whichever it is, and embracing that. And also knowing that, you know, I think you guys would agree, the longer you stay, and if you're an actor in your 20s, knowing that you probably have the most competition of anybody. And the longer you hold out, I'm not going to say the easier it gets, but the uh, the talent pool does get a little bit smaller. You know, again, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination but knowing what your type is and you know maybe it was great if 5 years ago you were able to play the hot girl you know that doesn't mean you're not attractive anymore <laughs> but you know you're probably not CW
3: hot girl anymore if that makes sense yeah. i'm sorry i think i'm the king of the one more thing I love it. It um, and also in in along the lines of being a smart actor and knowing what you're going to play You're going to play high school on the CW. You're probably not going to play high school on a show like Ty and I work on. There are different levels of of age breakdown, so you need to know what you're going in for. You know, if you're going in for a, a Disney Channel show and you've never watched it, there's no excuse to never watch a show. They're on 75 times a day. You can download them on iTunes. They're on YouTube. If you're going in for Arrow or a new show or something, like I've never seen The Walking Dead. Well, Google it, and you can find, you know, what the show is about. And, and yeah, if you're you know, a 25-year-old girl, you're not going to play high school on, on one of my shows, most likely. Because a 25-year-old woman is, is, is a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> As I turn feet red.
0: Yeah. So let me switch gears and ask a, a question for the talent reps who are in the audience and watching at home. Eric mentioned that he's taking pitch calls the UDK is taking pitch calls a lot of the breakdowns that are coming out now say specifically do not call so does that mean that the they they've eight- always said that. Oh.
2: <laughs> that no one listens to that so, are, <laughs>
0: are you guys do you still encourage pitching if the talent reps believes in the client
2: I'm going to take this one. <clears throat> I encourage pitching. Um, I absolutely encourage pitching when you have a client that you're really passionate about, that the casting office doesn't know, that you're really excited for them to meet. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think that the the, pro- the problem with pitching becomes that it, we are one... Can
0: you go a little closer? We are
2: one office, and we get calls from, you know, hundreds of them. A breakdown will go out, and we'll get completely inundated. And meanwhile, we're also trying to do our... Our our work, so it's it's a little difficult when agents call and they want to pitch ten of their clients, and the, or they call and they are always pitching, you know, the same clients for, for you know for for roles that they might not be appropriate for or maybe being too pushy. But otherwise, I think pitching is great. That's how we meet a lot of wonderful new people that we didn't know about before, but I think the most successful pitches are the ones that are very sort of honed in. You know, uh, I think over time, agents get to know what casting offices respond to, you know, what kind of actors they know, the tone of the show, um, and I think that's the smartest way to pitch Those are always the ones that, you know, I respond to, and those are the relationships I make with agents where it's like they're those two or three people they're really passionate about for this role... And they talk you know, they talk about it. I think that's that's very helpful in those in those cases.
4: Well yeah, exactly. It's part of the build up of the relationship. I mean I know, especially God forbid pilot season. <laughs> you know, but even for a guest star role, you know, we'll release it and I kind of always say, and there's blood in the water. Yeah you know and the. Yeah, we make from, an
2: announcement like the breakdown's going out <laughs> the breakdown's going and you out. can always
4: tell because it's about you know we'll get the email from breakdown your breakdown has been released <laughs> three two one <laughs> bing <laughs> you know and the emails stop popping through I mean I'll get you know it, especially during pilot season three five hundred emails email. a day and easily
2: emails and calls and follow ups about the emails it oh. becomes a little you know you
4: know little, and it's, it's a necessary <laughs> evil Because the truth is, you know, yes, in a perfect world, we would have all the time that we could just do our creative thing and just go with people that we know and that we've seen. And, you know, the truth is, the agents and the managers bring to us people that may not be on our radar or we may just not have thought about and, you know, are wonderful and, of course, have actors, you know, that they're to represent. But exactly, you know, what Govar said, that, you know, the ones that I will really listen to, I mean, there's definitely people that I work with that I almost give carte blanche... Mm -hmm. Too. that's like if, if you tell me to bring them in I will bring them in you know period hook line sinker I trust you and, and what do they have to do to earn that trust um, to be on top of it you know to really know exactly what you said if you pitch your entire client roster you know it starts getting ridiculous to me when somebody calls up and says no really this person I read the script I know this character like seriously you have to see this girl here's her demo reel you know they're spot on and the actor comes in, and they live up to that yeah. experience you know trial and error you know goes real quick, and I actually also feel the same thing with self pitching you know with the actors who do have my email address or that i 've met um, through plays or workshops or wherever they 've come across my path. you know I have actors that'll pitch almost every single breakdown that comes out i'm like that's great but when i said the role needed to be african-american i actually meant that (laughs) you know um blondes don't count no offense (laughs) um you know and those people will not but when an actor truly knows themselves and email me and say this is not just a role i can do but this is my role please take a look at me you know i'll be open to that did you have something you want to say? Ty? Well,
5: I just think that agents and managers need to make sure that they know what they're selling, you know. There are, there are all different, you know, levels of agencies that start, you know, with the one-man band that has 500 clients and they're just submitting, you know, praying that something sticks up to the highest level, you know, where you're probably not going to get on guest spots, you're not going we're not going to get pitches, you know, from the from the big 5 generally speaking. Um, but, you know, the rank-and-file agents and managers out there that, you know, the bread-and-butter for them are the co-star and guest-star business, then you need to make sure that you're pitching wisely, you know? As, as Mike was saying, you know, we build relationships with people based on truth and mutual respect— They need me and I need them, you know? And if they're pitching me people that I don't know and I bring them in and they score, that's great. And the converse can be true as well. If they're pitching me people and I bring them in and they're dreadful, that relationship, you know, I'll I'll do that once, maybe twice, but then it's like, I I can't trust your taste, you know?
0: Eric, as a associate, do you have the ability to call somebody in from a pitch or do you always have to run it up through the casting director?
1: I can call them in. I mean uh not uh, it's complicated uh, no th- i mean the way we do things i don't know if i don't know if other people do it this way but when we get pitch phone calls i politely ask them to email me the pitch because it's easier to manage them that way and then we put all the pitches on a pitch log before we go through the submissions and on on the shows i work on uh you know i'll do some of the roles myself and Guy i work with he'll do some of the roles himself but you know if i ask him to see someone he'll see them and, and vice versa so i look at all the pitches um i don't necessarily pass all of them along but yes if someone is pitched to me and i look at them and they look like they look cool and that we've never seen them before and that they could be right yes by all means cool Thank you. We're gonna play a little game now. It's called appropriate or
0: inappropriate. Okay? I'd like you to take one and pass them down. Now, the rules of this game is I'm gonna I'm gonna take make a statement. You're gonna show us whether it's appropriate and say it, or inappropriate and say it, and hopefully we'll start a conversation. Okay. You guys all have yours? Okay. <laughs> Question number one, or statement number one, I should say. Sending your headshot to the casting office in hopes you might get a general meeting. Appropriate or inappropriate? Say it, people. Say it. Appropriate. 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 -appropriate. Yours is inappropriate. (laughs) Eric, please tell us why it's inappropriate. To get a general meeting? To get a general meeting because it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, for those of you, that's a good point. I mean, a lot of people don't do generals.
1: We only th- we only do generals when our producers or studio network asks us to meet somebody. And for those of you who said it was appropriate, do you do generals?
2: We do generals, but you know, We don't do a lot of generals. I think we do generals with people who, especially... uh, Usually, a lot of times, it's working actors or or, or people who have done something that's, uh, you know, getting a lot of great attention or someone who's in town from New York or elsewhere or out of the country. Um, We typically don't do generals with uh, sort of actors who are just sort of starting out because we would like to bring them in and and have them read something. But we do do generals, like, for example, when we go to the... um, Showcases sometimes and you know, it just it depends. It's it's not a. I don't think realistically if you send your pictures to a casting office, uh, you haven't uh, don't have a, a lot on your resume that you're going to get a general with. But it. it's not inappropriate. But it's not inappropriate. I wouldn't flag it as inappropriate. I'd like to change
4: my answer. <laughs> uh, to, a, answer. Uh, to a yellow light. <laughs> okay, <laughs> next one. I'd light. like to
0: hear your answers nice and loud. I want you to be motivated, people. Okay, getting called in for a role, but telling the casting office you'd rather read for another role they're casting.
2: Inappropriate. (laughs) Inappropriate. It's yours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Okay, guys, those of you who uh, call it inappropriate, please let us know why. I don't mind if you, if there's another role
4: you feel passionate about, I I am definitely open to hearing that but don't just not prepare the role that we're bringing you in for. We have a specific reason and you know maybe have faith that we are professionals and we know what we're doing in that standpoint that there is something and there's a reason whether it's because we've had the concept meeting with our producers and our writers and our network, et cetera, and we know specifically what they're asking for, that we're familiar with your work and that we're like, sorry, you're no longer the high school, hot girl, anymore, you know, this, you need to be the mom, you know, or whatever it is. Right,
2: or if you don't want to come in for that role, then you just pass on that role. Got it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And uh, for you, Eric? Well, it happens a lot, and all I can say is if you're called in for one role and you read the script and you want to be considered for another one, when the request is given to us before you come in, I think it's fine. And. As long as we say, you know, thanks, but no thanks, we really want to see you for this one, and you're fine with it, and you still come in, I mean, I think that's okay. It's when someone comes in for a role and says, hey, can I also read this one? It's uncomfortable and awkward and inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate. And a, and a lot of times with that, too, like, well, you'll come in and read for a role,
3: and then at, and through the reading, and we see what you're doing, we'll be like, oh, we, we got that wrong. We should have seen her for Sandy, as as opposed to Becky. And then we'll say, hey, would you mind reading... Sandy and that you know that could have been I don't know. We make mistakes too sometimes.
0: Okay, next one.
3: <laughs>
0: Actors dropping off gifts to the casting office.
3: <laughs> Inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> send a send a gift send a gift but like the because yeah. oh send it don't drop it off but get it I mean be, if, 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 if you, I'm if, just you were, kidding. if you were, if you're booked on a roll or whatever you want to you know sit, you know drop something off a little, a little thing that that that's cool what what um no I'm talking about you, trying to get your attention right oh, like yeah, in, yeah. That, in, that respect, no. in that you're respect in no, that respect no, you never know what's going on in the office you could be you could be interrupting workflow maybe the producers are in there for a meeting and you're gonna
1: Pop
5: I don't need candy or cookies or pencils with your p- bag of
3: postcards. I eat so much crap at work, anyways. <laughs> like more candy and cookies is just bad.
4: What I can guarantee: the one moment that you decide to drop by the office will be the absolute worst one. It's the same principle as if you drop by a friend's house unannounced; you will catch them on the toilet. I can guarantee you that's. Well, never mind. That sounded bad. Um, in the shower, let's go with that. You know, it's. I've never had anybody ever do a drop off when I've got nothing going on. It's always. Right when we've released the breakdown and we're dealing with the hundreds of emails, um, you know, and it's also just awkward. Same thing with people doing stunts, you know, and the little, um, you know, I dressed up like a FedEx guy and got under the Warner Brothers lot and snuck in. It's horribly awkward. And this day and age, honestly, if you are going to put that much energy into it, find my email address. It's out there, you know. Email me something. I would rather that than the awkward in
0: person. Cool. You guys are playing this game well. Okay, an actor posting information on Facebook about a project they are auditioning for.
2: Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Okay, tell us
0: why. That's interesting.
2: Well, there's a lot of projects that have huge confidentiality around them. I work on one, and um, you can get... It, it's actually... You can get into trouble legally, um, so I just avoid it at all costs. Just don't do not do it.
1: And it may... It- just makes you look cheesy and... And that. <laughs> yeah, you're not just putting
3: something out there for your friends to see or your classmates, you know, to show that you got an audition. Everyone in the world sees everything that's on Facebook. So if it's... And you never know how someone's going to perceive that. You know, people... Everyone's different. Everyone interprets things differently. You know, maybe it's, well, oh, she's posting two seconds after she walked out of the audition that she had an audition. Is this... what We're going to have to deal with this, like, During the pilot, during the series, is this going to be a problem for production? Is it going to be a problem for PR, publicity, the agents, whoever? It's just some things you can keep to yourself. A lot of our shows have very rabid
4: fans, and bloggers will pick things up, things will take on a life of its own, um, which could result in you getting sued, you know, for that standpoint. Um, Even also just the other side thing that I come across a lot, and I don't know if you guys do as well, um, don't bitch about your audition. On Facebook, or because. as we read them. <laughs> don't bitch about the casting office. Don't bitch about your agent or manager. You know, don't say anything that you wouldn't say to our faces because we will remember that and that's not going to help you.
0: Next one. Actors being offended if they audition for the associate rather than the casting director. <laughs> <laughs> Under what circumstances
1: does the associate do the the auditioning? A lot. A lot. It doesn't matter. A lot. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I mean, the, it's the office. You're
4: going to get biased, or you're not going to get biased, and
2: if the you know every every casting director is aware that their associates are doing the auditions when they're doing the auditions, so there's no reason you know to to, to feel anything but the same that you would feel for going into. It can the yes
4: be a pre-read. Director. It can be the first audition where you then will have to come back for the casting director. You'll then have to come back for the producers. You'll then have to come back for a callback. You know, it, sometimes you get put through the ringer. There are also times that you'll come in, you'll do a pre-read with me. I've taped it, and that's what lands you the job. That's it. That's the end of the road. You know, you, you don't know. It's different every single time, and
3: Yeah. God, everything is, like, inappropriate with you people. Well, and, and with, with, that, with that, too, whether, um, whether, whether you're reading with, with me or with Howard, that shouldn't affect your choices or your, d- your delivery or the character that you've created. You walk in, you're like, son of a bitch, it's Troy again? I want to read with Howard. He's nice. Or, so, I don't know. But, yeah, d- don't let who you're affecting with you know, affect your, your okay. choice as an actor. It, it, it shouldn't matter.
0: Having your agent or manager call for feedback after your audition
2: appropriate
3: oh that's, how that's how they do their know. job so yeah. appropriate that's good to know good to know but it, it, it can be i i think it could be like levels if it's you know a one-line co-star and your your line was i'll have a cookie or fine or <laughs> stop you know i mean it's yeah. the, the, the well, there I are mean, levels of up too much
1: sometimes coming for when an agent or manager just signs someone and they they just i mean, they don't really mind one way or another. If they're getting the role, they just want to know how that person's doing in a room.
0: Facebook requesting a casting person to begin a relationship.
3: (laughs) A few of you are appropriate.
0: I probably won't say yes, but oh, well, that's not fair. Well, it's.
3: I would say if if it's offered there, if like if you know you're you read in an article or you're at, you know a workshop or a play or something, it's like Facebook me or or I love meeting people on Facebook. I love meeting new people. If it's if it's put out there that somebody is open to that, then I think a friend request is fine. If if you've never had contact with that person or or anything,
1: then you, no, then then it's a little. I think it's, it's case weird. by case. I know some people who work in casting who have who have Facebook to stay in touch with actors, and then there's others like myself who it's 100%, you know, personal, so. Yeah.
2: Like, for me, it's just personal. It's people that I'm friends with. I have actors on there who I'm friends with after we've developed, a, you know, a relationship, but if I don't know you at all, then I, yeah.
3: If I could segue real quick on the, the Facebook thing, um, it's, when you're you're doing your stuff to promote yourself or promote your show, everyone goes to Facebook first and sends, like, a an event evite or invite to a show or play i very rarely see those things because like facebook goes through so many changes and it's so cluttered that you know things get things get lost um i i will say like while we're talking about the social media aspect of stuff i love twitter for that for that reason it's it's impersonal i don't i don't find it you know it, it, it invades my, my, my personal life privacy. It, it's out there, you're, you're like in a play, you, you know, tag, tag Troy, hey, I'm in this play on Friday, can you come? And we, I see all of that stuff and I love going to, to plays and improv shows and stand-up things. I think that's a great way to get somebody's attention or let somebody know that you're doing something that you might not have a personal connection with, you're not invading on their stuff it's just kind of there, then it's gone with Twitter. But you see it. Whereas Facebook, is, Facebook I think is a little different and more personal.
0: Good answers. Dressing in character for an audition. Gohar, you have the walking dead. This should be good.
2: I don't audition, I don't audition zombies. Um, Appropriate. Uh, levels. It levels. Yes. It's all about yes. knowing where the line is. Well, how do you know where the line is? Don't come fully dressed as you would be on... Uh, look, okay, if you're coming in for someone who's a lawyer or someone professional, then you know, you're a man, you wear a suit. I'm sorry, you wear a suit. That's okay. Don't come in dressed in scrubs... For a doctor, you don't have to. I think that's really what it is. I think, or sometimes we do um, period pieces, and the women get so beautiful, and some of them just go a little over, you know, over the top with it. Or I feel like after the audition, they spend most of the time. On their wardrobe and hair as opposed to the material itself. So I think, you know, to a certain level, you want to be appropriate for what you're reading for. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It should suggest,
5: it should suggest the character you're coming in yeah. for, but it shouldn't overshadow your performance. Yeah. I remember doing a pilot, I don't know, it was four or five years ago, and there was a, a, a character who was this, you know, 18, 19 year old guy who wore nothing but, you know, tidy whities and a bathrobe that was always open. I probably had eight, or ten guys that came dressed like that to the audition. It's like, hello? <laughs>
4: Close that room, please. In auditions, unless specifically needed, which is very, very rarely, I don't need to see your genitalia. Um, <laughs> and yet I have. So <laughs> uh, but exactly, the suggesting of it, you know, okay, I've worked on shows, I've cast strippers you know so yes i do need you to come in on something form fitting we're usually going to be very specific on roles like that you know please come in bikini top or something like that um, also when in doubt ask you can actually call us or have your representatives call us before the audition and we can answer that okay
0: thanks guys feeling like your audition's not going well and asking to restart
5: They all think it's appropriate. It's your, it's your time in the room. Use it wisely, but professionally. You know, if you're two lines from the end of a three-page monologue, and then you're like, ah, yeah. uh, you know. But if you're two lines in, it's like, okay, you got off on the wrong foot. We get it.
3: And a lot. I, I wouldn't use like the you know the, the, the restart to try to take the temperature of the room, see what the riders are thinking. Like, is this really going well? Oh, it's not. Bail out! Bail out! Hey, can I do it? Can I go again? <laughs> no, but I mean, people are gonna people are gonna flub a line. You're gonna start. Maybe you're you know not in the right place to restart. and you're know, like, hey, I, we know. Let's start over.
2: And you, yeah. But you can't keep doing it, <laughs> you know, uh, multiple times. Yes. It becomes awkward, and uh, and then at that point, you know you've sort of lost we feel like you've lost control so it um, looks unprofessional it looks unprofessional what are you going to be like on set you know we have to think about these things Um, so you definitely you know really use it only when you really feel like you need to and and use it at the top of the scene
3: and don't beat yourself up (laughs) you know like get it together come on come on (laughs) you know seen it happen you know because how how you not just not just how you perform how you perform the 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 scene but how you carry yourself in the room is also you know being taken into account and if after every you know you need to stop and start over that's just like a take on set and if you have to beat yourself up after every take to get back into it and be okay now i'm ready let's go Cool.
2: Yeah, I mean if I, I just an exam I mean I had an actor who came in and did this scene and it was great and I just wanted to do it again. I just wanted to have another take. We were hiring off tape, you know, and and he did it again and he just quickly said, "Can I start over?" and then it became like three takes in and then he was just flummoxed. And it wasn't, you know, so it it's it, it, that's really just what's happening sort of psychologically and not, you know, nothing wrong with it, with with him as an actor.
0: So. Yeah. Okay. Calling a casting office to tell them you'd like to volunteer to be a reader. Cool. All but, everyone said it was appropriate, except for you, Troy. But first I want to hear, Eric, uh, that's appropriate in your office? Do you use actor
1: for readers? We can't use you, but it's okay to call an ass. <laughs> Why can't you use us? Um... I mean we used to have actors for readers and interns and we had a whole great thing going and then there was a big lawsuit with like some interns who worked on a film and then so the state of California really cr- it's a whole long story but basically the studios told us we couldn't have unpaid help whatsoever and um, so we asked the shows to pay for help and they said no so they yeah and Troy is that the reason it's inappropriate for you? Yeah, um, mainly yes. Um,
3: because now, if we have to have an intern or any unpaid help, they have to be in school and earning credit. It can only be for a certain amount of time, and and we we like to do the the reading ourselves. You know, either, either Howard or myself, because that's how we you know create a connection with the actor, which is also important when. You know obviously you're acting in a scene is creating a connection with the other actor we like to see how how you do that with us, which we would lose if if it were um, a reader but uh, kind of along those lines we used to we used to use interns a lot um, and I, I think interns are, are fantastic for people that actually do want to help out and, and learn that side of the business but when you know calling to ask For an internship or to be a reader is actually, hey, look at me, I can can audition for a role. It's kind of along those lines of what you're putting out there as an actor that we we spoke about before.
4: Well, it'll probably be a waste of your time unless you actually already have an an established relationship with us. Um, Again, you know, if you call and you do it, that's why I said it's appropriate, it's fine. Um, It's probably a waste of your time unless you do directly know me, know which shows we're working on, and if we're able to
3: use readers or
5: not. Mike, can I come to you your office know. and work as a reader? I'm sorry, we're full. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I mean, I, like, if, 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 yeah, if, if you do have a, um, a connection with somebody in, the, in an office or a cast director is, is open to having interns or readers, it's an invaluable experience, and that's actually how I be, became Howard's
1: associate was, was interning, and, and it, it, it changed my life.
4: Here.
1: You were also an intern? Service. I started as an intern. I don't know any person who works in casting who didn't start as an intern. As
2: an intern. So now that, that that's
1: done with, what? how are people going to get started
0: now there's no interns? Good question. We're working on that. Got it. Okay, cool. This is the last of our appropriate or inappropriate questions. Let's talk about um, postcard follow-ups. Wait, what? Postcard. People sending in postcards just to let you know what we're doing throughout the year. Totally appropriate. Totally appropriate. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. Let's uh, move on to actor questions. Um, can we give them a round of applause for playing this game very well?
4: Can we keep these? Yeah. This would be great during a session, wouldn't it? <laughs> that was no. not no. I won't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke. Total, like, all these faces out here just went like...
0: <laughs> so this is the right time to continue filling out questions um, here or at home, emailing them again to livestream at sacfoundation.org. Here's our first question, this is to anybody who wants to join in. If you're going out for a smaller role, when is the right time to try and stand out, and when is the right time to just compliment the star
1: of the scene? Uh, unless you're the star of the scene, don't do it. Don't. Well, no, I should... If you're a guest star or a co-star, uh, I spoke too soon. I mean, you're really there to move the story along, and very rarely it's about you. Exactly. So know focus your, on know the your character. boundaries. What? Yeah, focus on the character. Do
4: what's appropriate for the scene and what's needed for it. You know, Generally, no, you're not going to be the star of the scene. You're there to move exactly as uh, eric said you know to move the story along you know you there are going to be some roles that are going to be the giant standout and they're going to be a great chance for you to showcase but you know it shouldn't be about you it should be about the character and the director will tell you
2: but if it's a small a very small part just a few lines i think you just have to take a look at the scene this is, is what is the character doing are they facilitating something and you know you just have to be smart about it uh, if you're handing someone a paper and saying, here you go, sir, that's, you know, don't try to do something with that line. Just be real. Um, and uh, I think that that's really a great tip, actually, for pe- for, for those small roles, because those are the hardest to audition, and that's why. People are always trying to do something with them.
3: Yeah, if if you're, a, you know, you're, you're a nurse and you're handing the doctor, you know, the thing, like, here's your... Here's your rounds. You know, you don't need to create this whole backstory of well, I actually hate this doctor, so I'm going to give him some attitude. And here's your <laughs> rounds. You know, serve, yeah, serve the story. Cool.
0: Do you, as casting associates, have relationships with small boutique agents, or do you have to go to the top agents for pilots? All the above. We need to work with every single person in
4: town, from top and bottom, because we don't know where it's where the next big one's going to come from we need that you know needle in a haystack, and you know I've had series regulars come from the top big agencies i've had them come from the smaller boutique agencies i've had them come from self direct actors you know we've also worked with plenty of casting direct i mean every pilot that I've worked on you know we've had multiple cities and multiple casting directors in multiple cities. Um, you know, for example, with Raising Hope, Lucas Neff was found in Chicago. Um, Lucas Neff is the lead of Raising Hope, for those of you who don't know. Um, so, I mean, they literally will turn over every single leaf that we can. Yep.
0: My agent has begrudgingly deemed pilot season offer-only season. Is there truth with this? No. Are you still seeking relative unknowns
5: <laughs> always. for series regulars? Yes. Always, always, absolutely. always. always.
2: <laughs>
5: Appropriate. Yeah, Thank you.
2: absolutely.
0: Uh, can you all tell us about any pilots you're already hired to cast?
1: Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, t- it's you still kind of early. We ha- we only have well, only we have one pilot so far
2: working on one pilot now um, under the dome
5: CBS we don't have one yet we're in discussions <laughs> I'm so grateful not to have a pilot right now <laughs> how likely are you to watch auditions on tape and
0: from there how often do you bring people in from tape into the rooms
2: you mean unrequested auditions on tape or requ-
0: let's go both Let's go unrequested. If an actor wants to get in the room, they think they're right for the role, and they don't have
1: an audition, they self-tape. We usually won't watch it. (laughs) If if we don't request it, we're probably not going to watch it. Unless it's a pilot where we watch everything, but episodic. I guess we're talking about pilots. So, maybe.
2: I think think there's many ways to answer this question. I think that... It would be you know you have to if you 're going to do something like that it has, you have to use that very sparingly. It has to be a situation where maybe you 've tried to put yourself in front of an office many times or your agent has or something like that, and you have to present it to the casting office in a certain way as in listen i 've really wanted to meet you. Uh, I know how busy you are, so I went ahead and put myself on tape. And if you have the time, and would take a look at it, I think I would respond to something like mm-hmm. that. But you can't keep doing that then to that office for that's it. It's your one, you know, your one time that you do that, to as an introduction to an office that you haven't been able to get in the room with. I think it's become I don't know about you guys, but the. Unrequested self tape during pilot season has sort of taken over our lives, and it just it's hours of extra viewing time because we feel like have to watch them and most of those people ninety eight percent of those people are wrong, which is the reason why they didn't get in the door in the first place so you know it's a yeah. it's a tricky situation
3: if you're right for the role, perhaps yes, but um you're taking the time to send in a tape hoping that somebody watches it, make sure the tape's as good as it can be. And I don't mean just, just in performance or, or your choices. Make sure the lighting is right. Make sure that we can hear you because the, the 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 sound is great. If you send in... I mean, a lot of times that stuff matters And in, in pilot season where it is tape after tape after tape. You know, yeah, maybe every office is different. Maybe you do slip one in and yours is just the next one watched because they watch all of them. Maybe if they recognize and they're like, oh, I don't recognize this name, I'm not going to watch it. But in the chance that they do and, and we can't understand you or we can't see you or whatever it is, what what, what good is that doing you? If, if you don't identify yourself or list a, a contact number on the tape or whatever, because you don't know if these, if these things are being downloaded, um, and then sent on a disc or something, or they're watching it from a YouTube file or from that email. If, if if your name isn't on, you know, if if the if the thing is you know, Walking Dead audition, and that's how the file downloads, or audition, or new audition, or it doesn't have a date, it doesn't have your name on it. We don't. A lot of times we won't know where it comes from. So make sure that you're taking those things into consideration, not just in unsolicited tapes, but when you're in a tape for anything. Make sure that your grandmother can open it. And download
4: it, and I actually mean that completely seriously, you know. And that it's an easy to transport file. Um, I personally am very open to watching self tapes, you know, especially as long as it's sparingly, and if it's from somebody they've sent along their headshot and resume too. And it's like, well, you know what? They might be right for it. Yeah, I'll watch a quick second of it. If it tells me
3: 22 hours to download. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't need to shoot it on the red. It doesn't need to be 1080i. Yeah. <laughs> but it does need to be a good quality and
4: put your best foot forward. Don't just take the iPhone and, you know,
0: you know, less is not always more. Cool. Um, here's an interesting question from an agent, um, and it's about quotes. And so I'd like you, when you answer, to please explain to the audience what a quote
5: is. When do you um, help raise the quote for an actor? In this economy, nobody's getting raises unless it's already figured into your deal. People are working for below quotes.
3: Yeah, our shows generally don't pay
5: them. Eric, what is a quote? Well, there's... I mean, basically, a
1: quote is what... Uh, the last thing you earned. Um, what's based on the role. There's you know, there's pilot quotes, and there's episodic quotes, and day rates. And So if it's, if, it's an, if it's for an episode of television and we hire you for a day, your quote would be the last thing you earned. The last time you worked for a day on a similar show. So, for when I'm hiring someone for a day, you know, on the on the Mentalist, we'll find out. We'll ask what your quote is, and say a few months ago you worked on, I don't know, CSI, and they paid you twelve fifty for the day. That's your quote, um, and so we will even. Every show is different. Sometimes we can give you a raise to maybe like 1300 and raise your quote that way. Or if it's a pilot, you could have a series regular quote, which is either the last time you were booked as a series regular or the last time you tested, because if you test, you establish a quote. Um, that's, kind of, that's that. Or you work on a show that has no money and doesn't let you pay, and quotes don't matter because you pay scale.
2: We try as much as possible to match quotes yeah. these days whenever we can um, but you know sometimes you have an actor coming in for a, a small part and maybe their quote their day quote was for a, something a little bit more significant in the previous one and unfortunately we're budgeted on that role for what we are budgeted for and that's that so
0: what is the best way for someone who does not have representation to approach a casting office once they've heard of a project they think they'd be great at and would like to be brought into
1: audition uh, we have a Dropbox.
0: Dropbox, just outside the door, right? Because as one of you were saying earlier, you don't want to walk in and, you know, catch somebody in a bad mood or at the wrong time. I mean,
1: you never want to walk. I mean, usually, I, I don't know about other casting offices, we have a Dropbox, we have a buzzer on our door, so we'll not get you in anyway. But, um... <laughs> <I'm> joking. <laughs> um, no, uh, whether our door is open or closed, there's a Dropbox, and when someone comes by to submit themselves for a specific role, we will always say just, you know, put your headshot in the drop box with a little post it saying uh, what show and what role do you want to be considered for
3: yeah um re- regular mail works we get it we get our mail every day we're on a, a studio lot so you can't just you know walk up either um, but yeah re- regular mail um, a lot of people have email addresses that are published and and stuff you know and it, if if you feel that 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 is your role and you need to be you have to be seen for this role then you're going to do what you're going to do, but know that it could be received differently by different offices. Well, and do your
4: research. Find out, you know, uh, who's working on the show. First and foremost, find out who the casting director is, who the casting associate is, who the casting assistant is. Find out if they are attending showcases, if they are attending, uh, conducting workshops. Uh, I know, say here at SAG, you guys do workshops. You know, find out. Oh, they do this amazing thing called the
0: Casting Access Project. Isn't that right, Rochelle? (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead, sorry. Uh, which has been wonderful. I've been uh, lucky yeah, Thank you, sag, for, uh, after for having me and for that. That's a great way to come and meet and for me to see your work that's the biggest thing. Um, for me, especially, I would instead of just your headshot and resume, you know email me your demo link. I need to see footage, I need to see you in action, get out there, be doing the plays. I think I can speak for all of us uh, yeah. we go.
2: I, I agree that having an online demo reel is. There's no reason you don't you shouldn't have one. Obviously, if you have material to put up that you're proud of, that's key. Don't put one up just to put one up with yes. bad material. That's only going to you know that's not going to help you at all. But if you do have something that you're really proud of, it should be online and it should be there should be you know a link available and and uh, I you know I, as much as possible I watch online reels because it just sort of. Helps me make sure that you know, headshots and resumes are very misleading. So you know, it helps me make sure that someone's tonally a good fit for a part. So,
0: speaking of which, do you recommend having separate reels for drama and comedy? Also, what about appearances from musical theater in light of shows like Glee? I
5: think I think it's good to have separate reels. You can also have a combined reel. But if I'm working on a multicam half hour and somebody, you know as a pitch sends me your, you know, gut-wrenching death scene from Grey's Anatomy, not really going to help me, you know, and vice versa. So that's up to your representatives to be smart about what kind of tape they're sending in.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Hi, how does casting for kids differ from adults for pilots? How open are you to booking a child with little or no resume? And what are you looking for when calling a child into casting for a pilot? Um, Thank you.
2: Children, usually when you're casting children, you're seeing children with little or no resumes. Because yeah, you true. don't know where you're going to find a child who's, you know.
1: And the good ones it. are already working. <laughs>
2: so there you go. Um, and w- when it comes to children, uh, take what we see for adults and multiply that, you know, by yeah, a
5: it's lot. It's all about volume. It's so
2: all about volume. You know, you're reading hundreds of kids, especially when they're very young, five or six, year, six years old. Um, and. That's <clears throat> that's really where we just kind of go to town and and see as many as we can.
3: Yeah, yeah I, for for us in in pilot season because we are seeing so many people, um, it, it I think it's going to be like a, like a sign thing. You're going to start off, you know, with with the more experienced people, the people that have had you know serious regular credits on their resume, perhaps, but you know, know that this is going to be a two, three, four. Sometimes in the world of you know Disney pilots, where it took a year and a half to cast Hannah Montana, it could be a long process not just limited to, to the the season the, the pilot season so we're, we're going to see you know kids and adults alike people with with huge resumes and people with with zero resume if you if you look right for the role and you come in and prove yourself to be right for the role in an audition then or a pre-read or producer session or whatever then it's going to keep progressing for you because we're looking for somebody to fill that role not somebody to have a great resume and be like oh they could fit this also necessarily.
2: I assume that question came from a parent, so I'll add one thing. Um, I think it's great for children to be prepared for their auditions, but not over-prepared, um, and to let them sort of just be who they are naturally, And because and, and, parents do a lot of coaching, and uh, you know, a lot of times kids are overcoached, so just...
3: A little note. It's 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 okay to it's okay to go to a coach for sure, but you don't want to be married to those choices that the coach gives you. That when a casting director or a writer, or a producer, or director gives you a note, that you can't break that habit that you learned from a coach. And I guess that works for adults too. And <laughs> if you go to coach or, or class or your acting friend who gives you advice, just, yeah, don't be married to choices that a that, uh, that a coach gives you. Ooh, okay. I wish you guys had your uh, signs ready for this one. What
0: do you think of actors who crash auditions to be proactive?
3: No. No.
4: no! <laughs> Dear God, get away, leave the industry, never call us again. Really? That sounds fun. <laughs>
2: not, that's never okay.
4: <laughs> it's, it's the way to get not only not seen for the role, but ever blacklisted really? and if, like absolutely blacklisted
2: those actors think that we just won't notice because we'll have so many people going on Oh we check when people we have are session not
4: sheets. Really? and when
2: they're not on there we confirm that they were set up
4: I, so. we chose who to set up we know who we, know we, set, who we up. set up we <laughs> sent out the appointments, we did the confirmations we typed the sessions, we're running the sessions we know you're not supposed to be here
3: uh, and, and, and also also too there could be two days of casting and because you crashed on the first day we might have been you know, planning to see you on the second day but now you, know, you crashed
2: now we just don't like you anymore. Anyway. now
3: that's, that's, a little, <laughs> that's a weird it's another awkward thing do you confront the actors, it's just bad manners. or do you just let them
1: audition and <laughs> we politely we life. politely ask them to leave?
4: Well, and usually we're full. I mean, honestly, we usually we don't have time to fit it in. You know, even if we're doing the yeah, we're seeing two hundred people that day, but you know, my choice is to walk up to my producer and say, "Hi, did you need lunch today? No, because there's an actor who decided they would be right for us. Um, you're fine not eating, right?" <laughs>
5: Like it's Guaranteed it's a crasher will be an awful actor if you let them audition. Just guaranteed. Guaranteed they'll be terrible. Hmm. You know,
0: uh, I have to say.
5: Are you, you a crasher?
0: You know, I, <laughs> I used to be. There are some, and no offense to any of the talent reps who are here or watching at home, but there are some talent reps out there who will suggest to their actors. Oh, we know
5: that. And we, know oh, we know who they We know who they
0: are, too. Oh, you do? Yep. Got it. In which case, it's not the actor's fault. You guys, it's okay. Okay, what would, advice yeah. would you give for actors to improve or create relationships with casting people?
4: <laughs> um, I, a lot of it, I would say, you know, part of it is, as far as the networking standpoint, is knowing how to do that, also realizing that we're people when it comes down to it. You know, if you do see us out and about, yeah, it's, I think, great to say hi, but knowing what time and when it's appropriate, I've been followed into restrooms before. <laughs> not appropriate. <laughs> you know, um, but, <laughs> but knowing the right, right ways to network and knowing when we're on the clock, when we're not on the clock, how to come after us, you know, um, inviting me to a play, you know, something that you're really proud of and it's a great production, absolutely. Invite me to that, come out, That's a great way to foster the relationship. You know, again, finding out the places that we're coming, that we're coming out and speaking to, that we're working at, you know, getting to know us in that way. Um, But the best part for me, anyway, is being masters of your craft, you know, being masters of your craft and decent human beings.
3: Yeah, uh, the way of improving um, a relationship with a casting director is is to be dependable. You know, every time you know we call you in or come to see your play, always be at the top of your game. You know, every you know every audition is is just that. That that's your job as an as an actor is is to audition. It's it's great when you think about you know, well, this is a serious regular role. This is going to be so great. I'll be able to afford that house, or I'll be able to buy that you know extra large fish tank that I've had my eye on, or something. But the job should be in the room. So. If, you're, if you become an actor that you know, comes in and just you know, auditions so-so, that's not really building the professional relationship with the cast director. But if you're the guy that comes in, and, or girl, comes in and nails it every time, and it's like, this guy's always dependable. It doesn't always you know, book or get a callback, but he's always solid. That's something that, that we're going to remember and, and want to see for other stuff.
0: So this uh, piggybacks on that question. It was a question that was just asked of Sharon Bialy, actually. Somebody wrote in and said, suppose I see you in the supermarket, can I approach you and introduce myself? What do you guys think? Appropriate or inappropriate?
5: I think it's fine as long as you do it in an appropriate manner,
0: you know? Well, what's appropriate?
5: I want to throw I'm, some fruit I'm at I'm you. I'm Mike Johnson. I, I'm an actor. I know the shows you work on. I really love them. You know, would it be okay if I sent you my picture and resume? Sure.
4: Yeah. Well, and you can tell where we're at. You know, if we're if I'm babysitting, you know, my friend's little children or something like that, and they're crying and screaming, probably not the best time. If I'm in the restroom, not the best time. You know, but the way you you would want to be introduced by somebody. You know, I mean, I would say flip the tables. And would you feel comfortable having a fan come up to you at that moment or somebody? We're actors. Yes, we would. (laughs)
2: So there's there's yeah, a little actor in all of us, we true, all want true. you know we all want fans
3: <laughs> yeah just, yeah, just nor, normal human interaction. you see somebody at a movie theater you 're going to see the same thing like hey I'm, I'm yeah like 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 Ty was saying, like I watch your shows I just want to say it, it's nice to meet you
2: but then I think when you have a when you make a relationship with a, you know uh, someone in casting and uh you know you they, you have Their email, just that's when sometimes I think people go a little too. You you can't email for every single you mentioned this for every single role that comes up. Hey, can I? Because now you have a relationship with them and it's a little awkward. So just don't. You know, just just do it again like someone said the way you would want to be treated.
3: Well, with that too, you just say you met you know, a casting person at a supermarket. You're not instantly best friends, so you're not going to go home and Facebook request them and then send them an email and be like, hey, have fun at work on Monday morning. I'm around if you need me. Types of you know no yeah it's a, it's an introduction and you you have met somebody you've met a new friend and that could be you know something that could be cultivated over time but it's I, I know as actors it's such a, especially you know people you know starting off or um, aspiring it's there's such this rush to get that first thing and I you know I, I met somebody at the supermarket this is going to be my end and then you bombard them with either you know gifts or letters or emails or Facebook stuff it's just yeah know that things can take time. How much weight, if
0: any, does one star meter ranking on IMDb carry... Zero. <laughs> zero. Zero. Yeah, zero. <laughs>
1: okay,
0: cool. <That's> awesome. <laughs> Can each of you please give us one tip that would help us actors on pilot season? Be
1: patient.
4: Do your homework. Um, do research, obviously. Uh... Hardship with pilots is, is you've never seen the show, obviously. However, the great part about pilots is more often than not, the scripts are available, um, are out there, available on, you know, screenplay online, etc. Read the script, do the homework on who is the writer, who is the director, who is the network, so you can get an idea of what the tone is, you know, um, if you're coming in for a comedy. Okay, well, who wrote it? You know, you're trying to get the jokes, you're trying to get the sense of humor. Well, you realize, oh, it's the creators of Will and Grace. You know, it's Max Muchnick and David uh, uh, Cohen. You know, okay, so I get their basic idea. You know, that'll help out. Um, Doing the research on the director. Oh, they did Lost. Okay, so that'll probably be some of the twists and turns here. This is how they like to work with it. Do your research find out who's already attached? You know. Are you playing somebody's child? Oh, okay. Well it's Lori Metcalf is playing the mom. Okay, well cool. So I know how she's gonna probably be playing this role. That'll help me make the
3: educated, informed decisions. And like the, the day before your audition isn't the time to learn all this stuff. As actors, you, you, you wanna you know be well versed in what's out there. So you wanna know, you know, Mark uh, Chandrowski's Directing style by watching Big Bang Theory. So, you know, when you have an audition for his pilot, you're going to know kind of like, you know, those moments. You're going to know that it's a multi camera sitcom, most likely, and know that that's different than a single camera. Um, so, it's going to be different than, you know, The Office or Parks and Rec or whatever. But, um, yeah, cramming, you know, you, you wouldn't cram for a test, you know, the night before by watching, you know, episodes of the show, reading the script, learning, you know, the, the filmography of the director. You, you want to be, you know, up on that stuff now because that's the, the business you've chosen to be in.
2: And after you've done all that and you're going into your audition, let that all go. And let it be, you know, just be in that moment and really uh, think of it as an opportunity to do what you love, which is to act. Don't think about it as an audition, as a job interview. um, So that all of that other extra fluff that comes with pilot season and that stress... Not what it's about when you're
5: in the room. We want you to be great. Every actor that comes in, I want you to be the one because if you're the one, my job is done, right? And if you go on to become some giant star, again, I look like a genius. <laughs> yeah. What I what I always say, and
4: exactly what Gohar said, that is so important. The moment you walk into the room, I always encourage actors before you start. Always take that moment to take the breath. You know, to let go of all the stress, the fears, you know, the expectations, the choices, etc. Just to to have fun, be in the moment, let it be that real organic
3: process. Just like we all did back in that hallway. Huge collective breath. If we were, we're drinking, we drinking shots back people. there. <laughs> Mike, it's
0: interesting that you brought up um, reading scripts. Because this question says... Where can I find the scripts for new pilots for the TV show Arrow? For example, I would like to know what will be the new roles for season two. Where can I find the script for season two? Well, that would be lovely. We're <laughs> not going to have that until we begin season two,
4: which hopefully get picked up. Um, episodically speaking, you're not going to get a script. Um, even if you're coming in for a major guest star role, that ain't going to happen. Um, especially for a lot of shows like Arrow or any, you know, plot-driven shows. You know, we've got that on major lockdown. Um, a lot of our sides will sometimes not even be from the script. Yeah, you won't be,
2: even be reading any material that you would ever yeah, act.
4: a lot of time the script isn't done yet, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, scripts. I mean, again, especially with episodic television, you know, they're getting turned around. We're lucky if we get the uh, writers' draft, you know, on day one of pre-production, which is five or eight days before we begin shooting. So um, yes, sometimes there's ideas of characters that are coming down the line that we might start working on or start thinking about, Um, but with episodic television, it's not going to happen uh, as far as pilot season goes uh, a lot of those scripts do get posted online on screenplay online you'll oftentimes need the code but that will often be uh, listed on the breakdown itself um or else an agent or manager or a well-connected
3: friend could help you out with that i thought of another tip <laughs> yeah, great yeah please tip us. turn off your cell phones when you go into the room nothing i mean because it it's doing you a favor, too, but nothing will kill the energy in a room when you're doing a read than a cell phone going off. Because the Vibrate get... is not off. Yeah. We can hear that. Because, I mean, not only does oh, it mess you term. up in your performance, mm-hmm. but it, you know, we're going to have to start again and the riders get out of it. Yes, It's, it's <laughs> insane. But also that's picked up by these cameras and, you know, in this, these days of technology and everybody wanted to have a say, a lot of times those tapes from your audition producer, pre-read, just casting alone or whatever, or being uploaded and sent to networks or studios or the director who's location scouting for the pilot that's going to shoot in Vancouver, who knows? So nice. your phone vibrating could mess up that tape.
0: So as you know, I love angry questions, so here's one. <laughs> do, you con- do you contact an actor directly if the agent or manager is not cooperative slash difficult when the role is right? What? What? If the agent is difficult, will you call me directly? <laughs> if the if I'm right for the role?
2: I've never had that experience with an agent, especially when you're giving them an appointment. An appointment. That's the best.
0: No, so that's a problem. <laughs> I think that agent is not getting the appointments. They're being difficult.
2: Well, I've had.
4: I. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I. can't say that I've ever had an agent being difficult with that standpoint. I've had definitely oh, the they're last nice minute. To you. Well, I've definitely had last minute. Sessions that have come up that'll come up after hours that if it's, you know, especially pilot season. I've been in the office at one o'clock in the morning and know that this is for ten o'clock the next morning um, because it's that crazy at the moment. Um, I've definitely reached out to actors directly. I'll, of course, email and try to loop in the agent but realizing that they may not be there. Yeah, I'll go, you know, when it's, forgive the expression, but balls to the wall. I'll do everything. I mean, I've even logged on to Facebook chat and you know hit people up that way. Um, I generally haven't found like an agent or manager that would ever say, no, I'm not sending my client in because yeah. they wouldn't be making money and they're here yeah. to make money. And these money. days,
2: everyone's checking their email. I mean, all, you yeah. know, all agents and managers are on their emails all night. You know, they're, they're seeing those things. Wait, so. Before we, it
0: would, we move, up, move past this, I want to ask you, what if the agent doesn't feel the actor is capable of the role that you've accepted them for, and they're protecting that actor.
1: Then they're doing their job, and I leave it alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, because that's reasonable, I think.
4: Well, yeah, if the, if the I, you know, again, and that's probably not anything that's ever come to me, they will manage us in a nice way and hopefully lie. Um, you know, they would basically just say, you're not available for some reason, which we would trust them on that standpoint. Um, hopefully your agent or manager honestly does have that standpoint, because you know casting works both ways you know you come in and you're awful you know for me i'm probably not going to blacklist you that time i'm probably not going to be jumping up and down to see you again but you know you bring me in enough times unfortunately i only have so many slots available that i can see somebody you know and there are as we talked about hundreds of thousands of actors possible for
5: each role but we call actors in all the time and they pass. And we don't know if the actor has actually passed or the agent or manager has passed for them for whatever reason, you know? So, One thing on that, like if we, with, um,
3: you know, Breakdown Express being, being utilized, if, if we see that an agent hasn't opened, like an audition we've sent out in, in like an unreasonable amount of time, or reasonable, I don't know, how, which, whichever way. Reasonable or unreasonable. Say it's like hours and it hasn't been opened up. We can see that it hasn't been opened. And be like, okay, well, maybe this agent is, is homesick or nobody's there. Or they're closed or it's a holiday. So then we'll contact an actor.
0: If somebody, an agent or an actor, passes on the audition... Um, do you, is that frustrating as a casting person because you wanted to see them or just part of the game and you're
5: it depends to who it is and what the role is and how passionate either we are or those above us are. you know a network or studio may really want us to get somebody in you know or or our e p and They've passed, so we may have to really dig in and make sure, number one, that the client has actually seen the material and is actually passing. I mean, we can't twist somebody's arm to come in, but if an agent or manager is passing out of hand unreasonably, you know, we feel it's unreasonably, it's a great role, it's a multi-episode arc, um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to try to get that person in.
0: Do you take headshots and resumes through snail mail? And if so, can we put on the envelopes that we
3: attended this foundation event on the envelope to get your attention? Absolutely. Yes, yes definitely. We open up all of our mail. I don't always look to see where it came from. So, like writing that on the on the envelope is, and you know, uh, important for our office. Cause we 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 do open up everything. But yes, yeah, sending in headshots and and, and resumes is fantastic.
0: For an initial audition, if you have tattoos and it doesn't specify no tattoos on the breakdown, is it necessary to come in with the tattoos airbrushed? No.
1: Can,
5: can no, show me weird. those tattoos. Can we get a more no. general question? <laughs> I think it's a little more specific. If you're, com- really. if you're coming in to play the girl next door and you have, you know, a tramp stamp and big gauges in your ears, and then probably yeah, you need to cover that stuff up. But if it if it's works for the role, then fine.
3: Yeah, it goes it goes back to suggesting the role. So yeah, if, you, if you're playing, you know, a Harvard law professor, maybe you don't have face tattoos. You don't want to have those airbrushed if you have face tattoos. Don't or if you have, um, if you have like sleeves. Oh, yeah, you
5: probably shouldn't have face tattoos if you Common sense. Common sense <laughs> is <laughs> always no. the uh,
3: is the watchword. But yeah, if, if you if you if you have like <laughs> a sleeve of tattoos, wear a long sleeve shirt, and no one's going to know that you have tattoos. There's
0: another question from an agent. Could you talk about how you get the budgets for the episodes? Does the budget change or? Are you booking? I'm not sure. I don't think I read that right. How does the how does this that affect you? How do you gauge who is getting what?
3: In terms of money, like per role? Yeah.
2: Well, we create a budget after we read. The, we have a budget for our guest cast um, that you know is from episode to episode. And then right, so, we let me understand. so you have
0: a, a budget, a regular budget, and then a budget for your guest cast.
2: So we have a guest cast budget. Okay. The amount, of, you know, amount that uh, is. Uh, Intended for the guest cast okay. each episode. When we read a script, we determine which of those roles are going to be guest star roles, which of those roles are going to be budgeted for co star monies, depending on the extent of the role, the importance of the role, etc. And, and after doing that, and, and you know, you, when you read a script, you know if a, if a character appears in just in one scene or in two scenes in the same location, it's probably going to be a day, you sort of figure it out what you're going to end up spending on each role. It's, it's a preliminary which we present to our line producers. And as the episode goes on and the script changes, that changes. Sometimes, you know, things change depending on actor that you really want who maybe won't work for that money, et cetera. But there is a preliminary sheet that we create so we know you know, what we're doing as we're going in that
4: episode. Well, and each show is definitely different. Uh, first season show, we almost always have our hands completely tied behind our backs. If you're working on a cable show, you know, hands tied behind our backs, um, especially, and you know, we hate saying, oh, it's the economy, but we don't generally have, you know, discretionary funds, you know, and I'm not making a percentage like, if I save money on this episode, and you know, cheap out on every actor, I don't get a cut. You know it's, <laughs> I wish um, you know but but that 's not us we don 't generally have a lot of stuff to play with, especially a show like mine uh, shooting up in Vancouver you know we 're only allotted generally, for example um, like three guest stars for each episode. The rest has to come out of Canada, and that becomes a very different uh, interesting experience when you have a large recurring cast you know mm-hmm. that may have different amounts and different everything like that, so it it, it can be really tough, and generally, when we're negotiating with an agent or manager, you know, it's not us playing hardball, or you know, it's it's usually relatively simple on our parts. Of this is what we have. This is your counter. Well, let me go talk to my line producer, and it's either going to be a yes or no.
2: Right. We also try to set standards for our show within our budget, as in this is how much we pay a day player, uh, you know, a guest star, day actor. This is it in order to be fair to everyone you know, this is what we're going to pay the top for and, example
5: and the only time we'll go outside of that budget is if we're going to go to studio or network for breakage mm-hmm. if, they're bringing, if they want to bring in a name actor that they feel is going to bring eyes to the set mm-hmm. then we go and we have to ask for breakage for that talent and sometimes we'll get it and sometimes we won't and that will make the difference as to whether or not we'll go out to that name actor
0: this is a question for Eric Soulier. When casting a show like American Horror Story, where do you find such phenomenal, differently abled actors like Adelaide?
1: Oh. That's the fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, well, specifically Adelaide last season, she was an actress named Jamie Brewer, and the role was um, the daughter of Jessica Lange. And she uh, has Down syndrome. and uh, You know... The produce, Basically, it wasn't the first time. Can you hear me? What's that noise? Oh. Somebody's fine. Sorry. Um, the this wasn't the first time we uh, we had to search for uh, actors with Down syndrome. So we knew which which route to take and who to go to. And um, specifically for Jamie, she came from. There's a a wonderful organization. The name's escaping me. I'm not going to embarrass myself and try and think of it right now. But um, run by a woman named Gail Williamson, and she kind of works with with all uh, actors with Down syndrome. And she sends she sent them to us. And Jamie was one of those actors, and she was wonderful. And that's where they came from. Where that's where she came from. But uh, you know, like I said, that's that's the fun part of the job. We can on a procedural, you kind of have you know the same kind of roles every week, but on a show like american horror story we we get to look for the i'm trying to be politically correct uh the different kind of roles and uh I, I don't know that just makes it more fun. There's, it's like 50% of avenues we've already gone down because, I mean, we worked on NipTuck where we had to look for a lot of different kind of people. Um, so we kind of know what to do. And then there's 50% of of exploring new ones and and finding those people. And I don't know, like this season, we had the character of Pepper, um, who, again, I can't think of a politically correct term for what she is, but basically she's referred to as a pinhead. It's a, it, Anyway... You know, when we're looking for that, that's obviously mostly prosthetics. So we were given very specific guidelines as to uh, the what our prosthetics team needed physically in terms of the actor. Um, I'm talking in circles. Did that answer the question? Oh, you did. You enjoy casting those different. Yes, I very much.
0: Those are the fun ones. Uh, so we're approaching our 15-minute wrap up soon. Before I continue with questions, just to make sure I don't run out of time, is there anything that you guys would like to leave us with? Is there anything you want to tell us about the
5: business, your career, our career? I know that's a hard one. you got to work harder than anybody else. There are too many people here trying to do this. This is the only profession I know of where people from all over the world see it somewhere on television on screen on on the stage and go hey I could do that and uproot their lives and come here in New York and say I'm going to do this with no training you know nobody goes by a construction site and says I could frame a building I'm moving to the construction capital of the world right so you have you're competing with so many different people you know, actors and non people on reality shows, anyone that's done anything that's put you in the public eye. If you do something that puts you in the public eye, good or bad, you will probably get the opportunity to act and maybe record an album. You know, that is that is the way that the society works because it's a heat-seeking missile business. They want to make money off of you at any cost, you know? So you need as an actor, you need to work harder than anyone else. At your craft, good actors work. There is not some giant pocket of Meryl Streep's and Al Pacino in the middle of Iowa that can't get a break. You know, so work hard. Your talent will become noticed over time. Keep at it.
4: Um, Reiterate just what I said at the beginning. You know, keep in touch with the joy, with the love, with the passion of it. As soon as this doesn't become fun, get out. Do anything you can to avoid the desperation, you know, whether that is having the side job so you're not needing to worry about it financially, so you're not having to look at every audition as a make it or break it. Standpoint, because none of us can predict when it's going to hit, when it's going to happen. You know, you might be the twenty-year-old ingenue that's going to walk off the bus and get discovered and be in Spielberg's next big picture. You know, you might not be the person that you may you may not hit it until you're fifty-seven years old. You know, you may have the career path of Catherine Houston. You know, rest in peace. Um, you don't know, and as long as you are having fun, valuing the journey that you're currently on. Then it's worth it. Keep at it, and if you're valuing the journey, you've already got the success.
3: Yeah, re- remember um, remember what you you started in the business for, and, and and the reasons for it. Is it is it fame and fortune? If it is, that's fantastic. If that's your if that's your goal, it's okay to have those goals. But you know, waiting waiting around for that job that's going to pay you, you know ten thousand dollars a week so you can afford to do you know what you enjoy doing whatever that that's fine but it, it could be you know slim and happening there do your own stuff create your own content you can do student films which who knows where that leads maybe you know the, the, this guy who's doing a 15 minute student film which you know it pays nothing but it's going to shoot over a weekend maybe that might be worth doing more so because i, I can go on to direct features and in, in two years you, you never know who's going to go on to do what because everyone that starting off is in the exact same boat as everyone else. They only have themselves and can only rely on themselves. Nobody else is going to care about your career or getting you to some point. An agent, sure, maybe, because they get, you know, that's how they make their, their, their living is by repping people who are going to go on to, to, to generate income. But you have to care more than anybody else about what you want to do and, and decide what that is.
2: Um, I think it's really important to um, know yourself Uh, be honest with yourself and be comfortable with yourself Um, and I'm going to piggyback on you to really work hard at it. I think that there's a lot of people out there who want to be actors and they don't really train themselves very much they don't do theater, they don't expose themselves to, 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 to a lot of that and that's not, you know, that's I don't think that's anybody here but you know that's not going to get you where you need to be. So you have to work the craft and really know yourself as an actor um, and, and and be comfortable with that.
1: Um, what they said, but also... Um, <laughs> I think it's really important to have balance in your life. Do, <laughs> you need to have something else going on besides this. I mean, everything, what they said was all true, but if you completely obsess over your career you're going to become scary and psychotic and desperate so you know travel and and build friendships outside of this industry and have hobbies and write I mean just do something and I don't know I think it'll, it'll be beneficial to you awesome thank you guys all for that we will um,
0: wrap up with a few more questions but I'm so glad that we did that first because it was really inspiring to hear and I appreciate all of your time I know we all do Okay, so, would you rather see someone really go for it and reel them back, or would you rather see them contained right off the bat? Not crazy, but more dramatic. Go for it. I mean, in my experience anyway, I, you
4: know, especially if working on a comedy, um, I'll see people holding themselves back and I don't have the energy or the time to push you forward. Um, I hopefully, by the time you get to me, you are a trained professional actor, so you already have it within you that you will instinctually not be over the top. You're not going to be cartoony, you're not going to be crazy pants insane. You know? <laughs> um, I would rather you, and this is me personally, and there are definitely people that feel very strongly the other way, but I would rather see, well, let me rephrase that. What I need more than anything else is to find the character to find a character that inspires us, that is that, that has that aha, that is our person moment. And instinctually, each time, you're gonna have to judge what's gonna be most needed for the role.
2: The most common note that we give in the room is to pull it back, or just just, just throw it away. It's the most common note, all of us in the office, you know, give in the room. So I think that you wanna make choices, but you wanna be real. Ultimately, you know, I, I think that sometimes there's an instinct to, to, to do something that doesn't, that's just, no, real. Um, I personally really respond to natural, you know, actors. So tonally, you have to know what show you're going for. If you're going for Breaking Bad, I mean, it's like the most simple, raw realism that's what you want to bring to it. So its tone is so important in your audition. Um, but, you know, it, it, everyone does it. Everyone does a little too much. And when you get that note, just take it. It's not, you know, don't, free, you know, don't think, oh, you know, crap, I did too much. Just throw it away.
5: It. You have to remember what an intimate medium the camera is. Yes. You know, you don't have to do a lot for it to register. Mm-hmm. So
2: Everything is on camera. Now. Yeah. And you're here, so. Okay, thank
0: you. Here's a question from a talent manager. You've talked about networking. Um, Can you prioritize appearance at a red carpet event versus honing your craft at a workshop? Which would be of greater benefit?
5: Always be in class. Don't worry about the glamour part. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's it's kind of like, do you want to be an actor and a performer or be on TMZ? I mean, what what's what's more important? Is it the recognition of the job or is it the job itself? I think is is a way to look at that question.
2: Right, and you can go to a red carpet and meet a director who you schmooze with, who then brings you, you know, makes us bring you in for something. <laughs> but then, if you're not working at it and you're not that, you know, very good, you're not going to get the part. So ultimately, what you really have to worry about is is being a good actor. That will get you work.
0: Okay. That's a good answer. Several of you have shows that shoot out of state. How do you define which roles are cast from LA and which are cast locally? Do you consider if we can work as a local hire in a particular city?
2: Well, we do a lot of shows that don't shoot here. We've had two in the last three years that have shot in LA. Um, so when we read the script, we make educated, you know, assumptions about what we think is going to come from where we already know what our budget is we know what our recurring cast is for that episode and if we can afford to bring someone you know from LA um and then we all get a call with the producers with the local casting directors and us and discuss it if there's a very something very specific even if it's a small role but the, the, that they don't think they have locally you know we'll come on but every show's budget is completely different every show's Different in, in whether it's a procedural, whether it's character-driven drama with very few, you know, very few roles, a lot of recurrings. So it's all—it's very—it's hard to answer that question generally because it's specific from show to show and episode to episode. In terms of local, if you're a local somewhere, I think that's great. The person who needs to know that is the local casting director, more so than us. When we're working on something, we're, we've got the budget to fly you in, so we wouldn't really want you to fly yourself in. So a local agent, if you really do want to, you know, take that seriously and work locally and, and, and informing the local casting director, sending your information, your headshot and resume or reel to them is invaluable. They will work on roles we will not look on, look at.
4: And knowing exactly what it means to be a local hire, um, especially working on a show that shoots in Canada. Um, I also did Fringe and Alcatraz, and I also did a pilot that shot uh, actually in Ontario. Um, knowing what it means that it's not just, oh, you know, oh, I'll fly myself to Hawaii and, you know, you can put me on Hawaii 5.0 or on Lost, you know, or, you know, I can get to Atlanta, that's fine, you know, just put me on. You know, it means, okay, well, A, I would need you there in three days, you know, that you can fly yourself there, that, you know, you are, for example, a Canadian citizen. You know, and where that actually means, you know uh, the pilot one of the pilots I did last year, you know we needed to satisfy the Ontario tax credit, which basically meant then this was a learning process for us, but to be considered a local hire there, you actually needed to pay your two thousand and eleven taxes in the province of Ontario it you is know,
2: so different. They've got it's wacky. So wherever you're going to say <laughs> that you're
4: a local hire from, make sure you are the expert of that area and you know what that entails.
0: Cool. Let's see. Do you have any advice for older actors uh, who are getting back into the business? Welcome.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. That was a quick one. Oh. But it, it, yeah, j- I'm just like... Uh, Welcome older actors. Next. <laughs> if if it were just like, you know, a, a young kid starting off, you know, anybody can... That's the That's one of the great things about this business is that you can start at any time and you can hit your stride at any time or you can decide to leave and come back and you never know when you're going to find, you know, like... When it's your time, maybe you know you started off in your twenties, right out of school, and like oh, I don't really like this. But then now in your your fifties, you're like I'm going to give it a whirl, and that's when you know the the characters click with you. So I I, th- I think this the advice applies to actors uh, of any ages or a, of any you know career level. Just yeah, enjoy the enjoy what you're doing and and be persistent.
4: And there's a definite need for older actors. Um, so that's what I really mean with the welcome part. Because again. Actors in their twenties, there's a lot of them. Actors in their eighties and nineties, not so much. Not so much, (laughs) you know. So I mean, (laughs) you know, absolutely. It's never too late to get into it, and you know, it's yeah. Sometimes you do need to jump back at square one as far as taking the workshops, getting your name out there, re,
0: you know, relearning what the industry is now, but staying on top of that and getting into it. Does it still make sense for an actor living outside of Los Angeles or New York to come to the big cities for pilot season?
5: It, it really depends. You know, do you have representation? You know, are you going to be able to get in, or are you just going to come and sit around and pray that you figure out some way to get in the door somewhere? I mean, coming here for, for three months with absolutely no representation and no relationships, I'm not sure why you'd do that. Find out if the shows are casting there. Uh, A
4: lot of my pilots, you know, we've had multiple cities. Uh, You know, for example, when we did Raising Hope, we were casting out of here in L.A., we did New York, we did Chicago. I've also done pilots that do Miami, Vancouver, Toronto, uh, Sydney, London, you know, all over, you know, especially with pilot seasons, you know, get in good. With your local casting directors, find out what they're working on and what they get farmed out for. Because a lot of times they will be, we will be seeing people in other cities.
2: Yeah, and if you have an L.A. agent and you have a great setup for self-taping, we have hired so many actors that we've been flown in to be tested via self-tape. That's how Andrew Lincoln was hired from a video in his bedroom. So, you know, it just, it just, you know, it depends on on your situation, but I don't think you physically have to be in here for pilot season as marcy much as leroff had a
4: great uh, article in backstage uh, i think this week's backstage um which definitely check it out but addressing that and you know being able to stay on top of it and technology you know we are doing so much on tape that the world's changed it, it's changed completely know how to self-tape practice that but yeah i don't think you physically need to be here so much
0: as anymore how long will casting take to give an actor notice about a callback after the initial audition for a pilot?
3: It, so how long can you wait to hear back if you... Did a good it job? all depends on... it. Could it, the, A callback could happen in an hour, or a callback could happen next week after they see more... People, uh, you could test at one place, and all of a sudden, somebody hears you're testing somewhere. So it's like, oh, let's test them for our thing. Let's we'll go get them now. So you could run all around town. I, I, it, it's a weird thing with time, and it's like, oh, I went in and had a great audition, but I haven't heard anything. No well, callbacks might not be for two weeks until they, you know, they 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 pre-read. 200 people, or because the director is not available, so they're not going to have callbacks till he's back. All these things that you know, if, if you're rep, you can have your, your agent or manager call and, and see what's going on. Is there a schedule or callback set yet? But it, as generally as an actor, there's so much stuff that, that, that you can't know, or, or I, I don't mean can't know because it's forbidden, but so many things that, that are out of your your control. Perfect. Okay, I think we are
0: going to wrap it up here. I, I would really like to thank you guys. Can I give them a round of applause? You you really have our respect. You really have our respect for uh, being so free with your knowledge, and uh, you've earned such uh, credibility over the years. So. Thank-